Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. This is a special episode that I did with my friend Wendy Speak. She is the author of Triggers and I actually had her on my Mama Get Your Life Back group talking about what do we do with our anger? What do we do with our, our when we are triggered by our kids' actions? And so as I was recording uh, with Wendy for that group, I just thought, you know what? This is a conversation I think we should hear um, on Ready to Thrive as well. And at the very end, Wendy also talks about how um, she has two other books. Actually, I think she has three other books, but uh, she talks about the 40-day sugar fast as well as the 40-day social media fast. And one thing that Wendy said at the very end that I thought was super interesting was how actually women have found that when they are taking a fast from social media, their kids' behavior improved. And that really stuck with me. Um, if you heard the conversation I did, did with Molly DeFrank a number of weeks ago, uh, she's the woman who wrote Digital Detox, uh, the two-week tech reset for kids. Um, it definitely had a correlation. And so that's something I have been interested in. And what does it look like to really be off my phone in front of my kids, period? So as much as I can, I still live in the real world with technology, but that's been something I've been working on myself. And so I hope this conversation I had with my friend Wendy encourages you and equips you. Um, send it to a mom in your life who needs some encouragement, um, even a mom who might be struggling with um, anger or just having some challenges with their kids. I trust that uh, it will help moms in whatever stage they're at. So enjoy this conversation that I had with Wendy Speak. Hey guys, I'm so excited to be here with my friend Wendy Speak. If you are not familiar with Wendy, she's the author of multiple books. I hope I'm not forgetting any of them, but we've got Triggers, Parenting Scripts, 40 Day Sugar Fast, and 40 Day Social Media Fast. That's it. it. You got them. Okay. Those are are the main ones anyway. (laughs) Well, I would love to, the main one we want to focus on today is really talking about um, your book, Triggers, and how the book came about, because you weren't necessarily sitting around going like, you know what I'd like to do is write a book on parenting. Um, How did this book come about? Right. It really, it really did happen naturally because we were living it. And I, and I use that plural pronoun we, because it was a book that um, I wrote with Amber Leah. Um, We were writing for a website called Mother of Boys, Mothers of Boys. Uh, It's not around anymore. The Mob Society is actually what it was called. And um, the woman who ran that website said, we have so many moms following us who are struggling with angry, explosive reactions. When their kids do wrong, they do wrong. And uh, we could really use a small private Facebook group. 
where moms can gather and we can be an encouragement to them. So Amber Leah started by saying, okay, I'll do it. Like who wants to be that person, right? I, I would rather be the one that pours into people's life, you know, do life like I do and you too can be joyful, but no, instead we're like, okay, that resonates. We can do that. So she started it. And within the first couple of weeks, there were thousands of people in the group because it just, it hit the felt need so strong and clearly. Um, and she said, I really could use some help. And then I was like, oh, okay, I, I can join in that conversation. And Amber actually was raised in an environment where there was anger, angry reactions, blaming and shaming and all that stuff that we don't want to do. And of course, Amber said, when I grow up and I have kids, I'm not doing this. And yet there's just that generational baggage, whether it is a spiritual thing or just a learned thing. Um, that that's very real. So we can say, I'm not going to do it, but then all of a sudden we become parents and out of our mouth comes the stuff that we heard with our ears and received in our hearts. And then there are other moms like myself. I was not, I was not raised that way. So what a surprise when I had my third child back to back to back and then bam, you know, it's like something just broken me and out of me came all of these unkind reactionary knee jerk responses. And I was just worn out. I was um, sleep deprived, of course, but also I had um, postpartum depression. It's just all these things. And then out of me came these words I never thought I would hear. Um, so we came from it, from two different kind of growing up experiences. And in this Facebook group, we would just share what we were learning in the word, how it was applying to our parenting, how God was transforming us with his word. And one day I said, okay, what are your triggers? And I didn't explain what a trigger was. The moms just knew, right? Why can't they get their shoes on and get in the car and the sibling rivalry and all the noise, sleep deprivation. Why is my husband always traveling? I'm doing it all alone. I thought my parents would get more involved. I'm, I'm you know, just wiped out, um, whining and complaining, back talk, and the list goes on and on. Social media, all of it. So the next day, without communicating with me, Amber just jumped in the group and said, okay, let's take it by the numbers. Let's take that first one. And instead of encouraging you to train your kids to get their seatbelts on and, you know, get in the cars and getting their shoes on, instead of teaching you to teach your kids to do it so you don't have to be angry, let's consider what is it that's causing us to be angry how did God model a long-suffering, patient sort of parenting that we could learn from him? Let's go to his word and let him change us rather than trying to change our children so we don't have to be angry. And so the next day I came in and I chose the second one from the list. And I was like, okay, now let's take it. Let's talk about back talk. Um, and then she came and said, okay, let's talk about all the noise. And, um, and after weeks of that, we just started getting messages. Please put this together for us as a resource. We want to refer to it time after time. And so within a year, uh, we actually self-published that book. Oh, just so I, we could get, I know well, it's really unusual for a self-published book to, uh, you know, have gone so far. And, you know, we were on focus on the family multiple times with it and lots of other big radio shows. And uh, it became one of the books that Mops International recommended. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not a big deal. It's just, it's, it's just a reminder that God was doing a thing in our lives first. It happened naturally that we shared it. And um, 
it's just continued to resonate with people. So the way that we did it was very naturally, they're almost the length of glorified blog posts. Let's take it one common trigger at a time. Things that our kids do that cause us to kind of join them. They do wrong, so we do wrong. And then half of them, what's just going on in us? Uh, you know, I'm sleep deprived and I'm, I'm going through postpartum depression or my, my marriage is struggling. There are things that can be going on in our life that when the child spills the milk, it's not about the spilled milk. It's about that, that spilled milk becomes, sorry to mix metaphors here, but it becomes the straw that breaks our back, right? We can't, we can't cope with the spilled milk, not because of the milk, but because of us. And so we take them just all these different common triggers and we take them to God's word. We take them to God's parenting example. We, um, we apply them to our lives and we let God's word shape our words. Wow. Now how, so for yourself, cause you're, you're in the place where you're leading this group, but you're also feeling it with your own kids. Um, yeah. How, how did God begin to change you? as you were looking at this trigger, as you're going to his word, like how were, cause you say that about like, it's like, we're not gonna go teach the kids this new skill, really God is changing us. How did God begin to change you? Right, before we started sharing yeah. these triggers, uh, God had already been doing a work in our, in our hearts or we would not have stepped up to lead this group, right? Um, you know, it's very easy when you're in the throes of it to say, oh, I'm going to encourage others online. And I think that there is a, a place for being authentic and sharing how God's word is ministering to you in process. But both Amber and I had really, um, God had already begun a good new work in us. So I think that's worth recognizing. You don't have to be down on yourself in it. This isn't about shame and condemnation, but first allow God to do the work in you. Yeah. Second, invite your kids into the process of God doing a new work. And then beyond that, be an encouragement to others. So God had already started um, just transforming Amber and her parenting and me in my home. Yeah. And of course, the way he did that, as he always does, was in his word. Uh, God's word says so clearly that when we abide in him and in his word and his word abides in us, he will start to bear new fruit in our lives. And the fruit of his spirit at work in our lives is love, we're more loving, joy, we're more joyful, peace, we're more peaceful, all the way to self-control and we're more self-controlled. So the fruit of his spirit started to grow on our lives as we spent more and more time in God's word and his example and these holy scriptures really started to re-script the way we spoke. Mm -hmm. So during the process, I would say God just took us the next step. And really, it became the message of this book and the follow-up book, Parenting Scripts. When you're able to pinpoint your struggles, pinpoint your triggers, they're less likely going to take you by surprise. And I think that that was where I needed to be at that point to go, oh my goodness, I am constantly surprised. I'm surprised that that I'm being set off by the same thing that set me off yesterday. Why am I surprised when it's so consistent, right? Whether it's they keep getting out of bed um, at nap time or at bedtime, or they keep getting up or melting down over 
being served broccoli or having to help clean up the dishes, if it's happen happening consistently and I'm losing my crud all over them consistently, then I should be able to, in a moment that we're not having the problem, pinpoint the problems and then come up with a better response. So there's a, there's a quote from Triggers that says, figure out what you mean to say before you say something mean. So the fact that we're right now recording this conversation and hopefully you're listening to it in a moment where you're not multitasking and you've got multiple kids, you know, hollering for you. Hopefully in this calm moment, you can say, oh, you know what? Let me pause this conversation. Let me pick up a, a piece of paper and I'm just going to jot down. When do I lose my cred? When is it? Okay. It's when my kids are bickering, you know, when they're having sibling rivalry, when they're fighting with each other, I come in swinging, you know, with my words, they're yelling. So I come in yelling or it's at bedtime. It's the end of the day. And I've just loved, and I've poured out all stinking day. And now I'm trying to tickle your back and give you a blessing and read you a book. And it's just never enough. That always sets me over the edge. So jot that down. And what's another one? Um, my husband comes in and he gets all the good time with them, but I have to then beg everybody, my kids and my husband to come to the table and I made that and then I lose it again. Okay, those are three of my triggers. I, I could probably go on, but I'm just going to focus on those and then jot down those three triggers. Say, God, speak to me from your word. How do you respond in those times? I think maybe you were spying on my house. I think that <laughs> we uh, heard those triggers. Um, so I love what you're saying about taking that moment. Yeah. Pause with the Holy Spirit and say, okay, where, like you shared about the, when you say it, it sounds so funny where it's like, why am I surprised? I'm surprised. How come you're doing this again? I have told you yesterday not to do oh. this. And so we have that surprise. And then we, we have these default scripts, these things that we kind of keep going to and often things that we don't want to say. Um, so we've jotted them down. We've asked God to kind of reveal what to say. And then would you recommend writing down a new script? Like how do we move yeah. forward? From and that, that really is the, I mean, we're, we're jumping from triggers to parenting scripts here. Yeah. Really triggers is just pinpointing. And we do give examples of what we might say instead, what we might do instead, but it is amazing how powerful just pinpointing and surrendering to the Lord, the specifics, not the, not the overall overwhelming shame going to bed. Yeah. Um, I remember going to sleep one night, just crying many nights, just crying. Oh, I did it again. Right. I just lost it again. I wasn't, I wasn't modeling you. I wasn't wooing my kids to righteousness or to you God, right. By how I was responding. And I remember my husband reached over and he's like, he patted me in a very like, platonic not he was not trying to come on to me at night right just he's like honey just go to sleep god's mercies are new tomorrow morning i remember him saying that to me and i turned to him in bed and i was like yes i know his mercies are new tomorrow but i'm just gonna pick them up and i'm gonna do the same thing with them again and it, that was really the turning point for me because i realized but i can't but i'm going to but i can't so I have to make new plans. I have to make better, more Christ-like, more biblically honoring, gentle responses when my kids do wrong. I can do right 
even if it feels impossible, we know God's word says with me, all things are possible. So that means being the adult in your relationship with your kids is possible. Being like Christ, did you spend time with him in his word is possible, but it won't happen naturally. It will only happen supernaturally, which means you need to spend time with God so that he can do a new work in you first before you can beg him to do a new work in your kids. So yes, pinpoint the struggles, read triggers. And I say, read it with a group um, because it's just amazing how you're gonna get so much out of it together when people confess their own wrong responses and then brainstorm together better responses and then go to the next step and start scripting better scripts, scripts that are influenced by the scriptures. Let them shape your word, let God's words shape your words to your kids. It's really a powerful transformative time. Um, well, that's so good. I I love that you share about the, the moment of kind of the breakdown that that moment where I think we can all have that moment where we say something has to change, right? Like I can't keep going forward in this way. And my hope is that um, women would have a bit of an aha moment here of even um, like one of the greatest things is as we connect with other people who have gone before us is that we can have that like, oh, like this, this can be different. There's a little bit of hope here. Cause I think also women could be watching this feeling like I've gone to bed like that many times. And I've tried, I have tried hard to be like, this is, this is how it's going to go this time. And felt like such a failure. Um, and even been stuck in that place of shame. Um, and I think for a lot of women, it can feel like I, I was very hopeful when I brought this kid home from the hospital and I had these babies. And then now I feel like I'm, I'm stuck in this really hard place. Which the opposite of hope is hopelessness. And I, I not only acknowledge, I identify with that, which is why we really can only take it to the one who is our hope, Christ, right? That hopelessness is real. But there is hope as long as we are in his presence, taking it to him. Um, And, you know, when you intentionally make a new plan, it doesn't mean it's going to all of a sudden work. Your first new plan, your third new plan, your 10th new plan, especially, uh, you know, there are so many kids that struggle with oppositional defiance disorder and ADD, and you got a lot of things Um, that you're up against. This is why I I really, really cling to the, the, the example of God as a father in the Old Testament where he is long suffering. So often we can feel like, um, like a victim. Our kids are against us. And it feels like just at the end of the day that we've been through another bloody battle and we're just worn out and again with a hopelessness, but God is long suffering. And so we go back to him. We say, oh Lord, I want more of your character and less like mine because your character endures. Mine is that knee jerk reaction. And we know that the root word of knee jerk (laughs) is jerk, right? And we feel like it at the end of the day. It's like, oh, why was I a jerk again? So if it doesn't work, if you come up with, oh, you know what I'm going to do this time? and you consistently 
try to do that and it doesn't work. Mm. I just want to affirm that's okay. It doesn't feel okay, mm. but it is so, I'm so proud of you for trying something new rather than doing the same old thing that wasn't just not working. It wasn't just ineffective. It might've been hurting and hurting them. Yeah. Um, so it's okay to choose something else with the help of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of God's word that ends up not working and say, okay, that didn't work. What now, God? And I don't mean bouncing all over the, the place where you threaten at nap time one time, and then you spank the next time, and then you try to cajole with them with, you know, I'll give you a lollipop when you wake up, and then the next night you go to sleep with them. I mean, consistently trying something and say, okay, that, that's not working. God, help me, inspire me. I'm going to try something else. And then try to get on the same page with your spouse. If you are co-parenting, um, I remember going to bed or putting my children to bed. That was a real big one for me, like back when they were three, five, and seven. And just, I was exhausted or a baby and a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And no matter what I did, and I always thought that was going to be like the golden hour, the very best of the best of the best of parenting happens, you know, when you're tickling backs and singing lullabies and making up stories and giggling and tickling and giving kisses. Um, it has to be at that time, right? And oh my word, was I wrong with my three boys. I came to it with high hopes every time. And so I had all these wonderful ideas. And for a season, they might work. And then all of a sudden, we're back to them just working mom over for more and more and more. And I remember coming to my husband. I, I don't even know if I came to them. I think he was just aware how badly it was going. So one night he said to them, okay, guys, everybody into the family room. And we had an orange couch at the time. He said, onto the orange couch. He said, tonight, your mom is going to give you tuck-ins on the orange couch and of course meltdown city right the kids are like what how can we how can we you know do what we do to mom from the orange couch with dad watching right yeah. and he said she will tickle your back and she will tell you that you're loved and she will pray a blessing over you but then she's gonna you know tap you on the rump and i'll send you off to bed and if you can go to bed and do a good job tonight and not call out or come out She'll go tuck you into bed tomorrow night. But you guys are hurting your mom by demanding more and more. No matter what she gives you, you always want more. And it's wearing her out so that I don't get anything at the end of the day. I mean, maybe he didn't say that, but I think that might have been his motivator. Um, but I just remember a couple nights of that and it sent us on a new rhythm. Not that we got off that, not that we never got off that good rhythm, but it was good that I looped my husband in and he helped come up with a next step. But the one that really worked for us for bedtime was, um, I remember walking into my oldest son's room. Well, I didn't walk in. I walked to the threshold of his room and I leaned in and he was already in bed. And I said, okay, buddy, before I come into your room, I want you to tell me three amazing things that your mom did for you today. And he said, well, you made bacon for breakfast. And I was like, awesome, bacon's awesome. He said, yeah, and you took me to the park and we brought my friend Cooper. I was like, well, hey, you can stop now. And that was like, that was all before 10 a.m. So you know, mom loved on you today. Um, now tell me, as we wrap up the end of our day, 
what are three things that I can do tonight that would just fill your little love tank and send you off to sleep? Give, choose three things. He said, well, I want you to tickle my back and say my sing my blessing. And would you make up a story about Umba, Zumba, and Duba, which were the three characters of three brothers that I used to tell stories about. I said, yeah, I can do it. But I want you to know after I do that, I'm going to walk out and I need you not to call out or come out. Okay. So I came in and it started a new rhythm before I walked into his room every night. Tell me three things. And then before I come into your room, choose three things. And it really was a game changer as they transitioned from little boys into big boys. Um, and I'm not saying those three, th those examples of, on the orange couch or, or at the threshold of their room are going to work for you. But it allowed me to pinpoint where our struggles were, loop my husband in, creatively come up with a different plan, because if I didn't, it was just going to continue the way it always had. So those are examples of what this might look like. Now, did the God's word shape my words? Not necessarily in those, in those cases, but his example, his long suffering, loving example um, certainly did inspire me. That's so good. I think as women listen to those examples, um, it gives a sense of, oh, like I could try something different. I could, maybe we could do something different here. And um, I think that's part of the kind of aha moments of um, like pinpointing the trigger instead of just being in that reactionary place, but saying, okay, I, this continues to be a problem. How do I have new scripts? How do I have a new approach? Um, and I just think everything you shared has so much hope in it because I know myself included, um, women are listening who can feel weary in that place of discouragement because deep down inside, we have a desire to be the mom God has called us to be. And sometimes we're just get stuck in this hard place. Um, one of the things that I have often felt is when we get to a place where we feel like I've screwed up, quote unquote, like I'm, yeah. I've said something or done something. Um, and then wanting to know, like, it could be easy just to live in the shame of that in the, this is not who I want to be. And maybe you realize it late at night. And so you feel like that day is gone. What do you do? But what would you say to the woman who feels like I'm, I have screwed up. I feel whether it's screw, screwing up again, I'm doing it in the quote, air quotes of right. uh, what you don't want to be doing or saying, whether it is I'm recognizing now I was actually doing something for an extended period of time mm -hmm. or it's a one time something yeah. I've said, what would you say to that woman to begin to kind of um, repair the relationship, change course? Yeah, I, I you know, I have a, a few thoughts. Let me start with this. Jesus came because of sin. Um, so we are a layup. <laughs> we're, we're like, we're setting God up to do what God came to do. Yeah. He forgives sinners. Yeah. Um, and then he doesn't just forgive us. He transforms us. Uh, the, the invitation in John 17, 17 is sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Oh, sanctify them in the, in the truth. Your word is truth. 
spend time in the word. Again, back to the invitation in the book, John, which is abide in his word. Let his word abide in you. And you're going to start, you're going to start bearing the fruit of his personality. So allow him to do what he does, which is he saves and redeems sinners and sin. Um, So that's just the personally, that's the personal um, encouragement for you about who God is. He came for your sin. So don't let your sin uh, shut you down to God. Let it open you up to God. Oh God, you know this even better than I do. I continue to sin. So please do a new work in me. Um, You know, one of my favorite verses is the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. So if you are feeling really down on yourself, remember, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And repentance is actually not just feeling bad, but then turning around, stopping the direction we're going, pulling a 180 and going the opposite direction. So in your wrong behavior with your kids, praise God that he's so kind. Don't just feel bad. Now, pull, pull a Yui, pull a, pull a 180. And with the help of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of his word, do something differently. But that same scripture, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Remember now that it is the kindness of a mother that has the power to actually lead our children to repentance, not the harping, not the yelling, not the blaming and shaming, not losing it. That, that will get our kids to feel bad and, and then transform. But it is our kindness, our consistency, our Christ-likeness that will then invite our children to with us grow up in all things into the image of Christ in our homes. And so again, what hope there is. If you are feeling hopeless, I hope that you receive this as a message of hope. And now my children right now are 14, 16, and 18. And there are some struggles that we feel so hopeless at times about um, as they are older and making choices on their own. It's not about us, but we're feeling very hopeless. And so this is a message for all seasons, for all parents and grandparents, that God can do new things because he is a God of new things and he continues to be kind. He continues to call sinners to repentance. And so just remember as your kids get older and they continue to do wrong things, like when they were little and they were throwing fits, we had to do right and invite them into doing right with us. But when they are older and we feel hopeless, it's still the same God. It's still the kind redeemer. And we can still model kindness and the redemptive work of God in our lives. We can model that. We can extend kindness. We can speak truth and love to our older children too. So learning this this practice of pinpointing triggers and allowing God's word to shape our words, allowing God's long suffering to shape our long suffering, man, it's going to set you up for a lifetime of parenting right when your kids do wrong. I don't think there's any more I could even share in that. Um, I feel like this whole conversation we've had, I I would almost wanna go back and um, write some of the nuggets down, some of the things you've said, um, letting God's word shape our words. Um, and you said, 
you need to figure out what you say, what you mean to say before you say something mean. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, as I've shared, you you have a few different books that you've written about. And right now, you're in the middle of a 40-day um, social media fast. Yes, here I am doing it, doing an online something with you. But yes, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting online yeah. and checking my own social media right now. I'm taking a break. You know, one after another, these messages have all rolled in succession. It started in that Facebook group where I said, okay, what are your triggers? Let's pinpoint our triggers. Okay, we need better scripts. Let's write out our parenting scripts. And it really is written in the same kind of 30, 30 day um, challenge. Let's just one at a time go through them. What are more effective words that we could say if what we're saying isn't working or it's not kind, right? It's not kind, it's not effective. And then it was in that same group. It was in that same group where I said one day, very off the cuff. So before you think I'm super spiritual, just know most of the, the, the things that God uses, it's like, he just blurts them out of my mouth. I was not being super spiritual when I said, what are your triggers? And I wasn't being super spiritual when I said, okay, um, what would happen? Like I was actually asking the question, what would happen guys, if we laid down sugar for 40 days, is it possible that we'd be calmer and kinder and more consistent, maybe even more Christ-like because we see what happens with our kids when we're up and down and all around, you know, when they are coming back from a birthday party with a lollipop stuck in their hair, right? And the, the colored artificial frosting staining their teeth and their faces, right? We see that they come home all jacked up and then they crash at bedtime and the whole world, you know, is not fair. And we just see them crying and all that. Is it possible the fact that when we finally get them down for naps and we go to the pantry for a handful of chocolate chips and another sweet mocha, we drive through Starbucks to get us through because we need a win or we stop at Chick-fil-A for sweet tea. I know I'm stepping on people's toes here because we just need something to get us through our days. Is it possible we're doing what our kids do on sugar? So it was in that same group that I threw that idea out and only a couple weeks into our quote unquote, again, with the air quotations, 40 day sugar fast, we realized, I mean, all of us realized, oh, wow, this isn't a physical detox. This is a spiritual fast because we're laying down something that we're running to, to get us through our days. And we're running to now with intentionality, the only one who promised to get us through not only our days, but this life into life forevermore in his presence. And so as we stopped turning from sugar high to sugar high, we really did start turning to the most high. So that's where the 40 day sugar fast started. It was created for moms, but you didn't ask me about the sugar fast. You asked <laughs> no. the social media fast. And it was in that same context where we realized, wait, sugar isn't the only thing we're turning to. We're not just turning to our pantries and turning into Starbucks. We're turning into our phones all day, every day. And um, so then we started doing a 40 day social media fast every year in that same group or outside of that same group because we were off social media. And one of the main things that I learned in terms of parenting, I had a, a woman send me a message and she said, Wendy, my kids, like I really think their behavior was better during my 40 day social media fast. And I said, of course it was better. They didn't have to get your attention. They had your attention and you know, negative attention is still attention. So doing things that are wrong 
still hits that pleasure sensor in our kids because it's getting our attention. So is it possible that setting down your phone and lifting up your eyes is going to also transform not just your parenting, but their behavior? And so it's just been one thing after another that I've continued to grow as a mom and invited my mom friends into because God does change us. And it's just really neat to hear the story, even as I say it, of how the one thing has gone to another um, in my own growing up as a mom. Yeah. Well, that's so good. Um, I love, I love the way God has used you um, inadvertently when, as you've just been sharing, you know, these what ifs and um, and in some ways going first to say, Hey, this has been, a, this has been a problem in sharing. And, um, you know, and these are things that I think so many of us, we struggle with all of those things. And we have the, my husband calls it the, the pillow test, right? Where it really is when you hit your head hits the pillow at night. And what, what are the things that, um, that you're dwelling on? What are the things that are kind of coming back up as it's quiet or even the, the 3 AM, you know, where you wake up and you're like, what is the, sometimes there's a thing too, that is kind of coming back up. And so I always feel like it is an invitation that God is just giving us. So if there's something someone is listening to today and you're going, Ooh, that, that actually hit in this really tender place. Um, that's just an invitation from God. And I feel like it's an invitation to freedom. And when he's talking about this transformation and transformation, as I have experienced, it has been very painful. It's always been kind of this, um, almost like a sanding process. And absolutely um, process, but you know what, who are we going to trust with a piece of sandpaper? but a carpenter. I mean, seriously, he knows how to refine us. And of course the rub doesn't feel good, but don't we want to end up as a smooth, beautiful display of Christ in our homes? So let's just lean into that, that painful process at times so that we can end up more like him and less like us. Right now we have two, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, we have two Enneagram fours talking who are all about like, lean into the pain. (laughs) Yeah, we always, see, we always know there's something wrong with us. So for us, it's just like, oh good, yes, let's pinpoint those missing pieces. Okay, Lord, do a work there. You know, other people's like, no, I do not want to have to focus. But I know that you're also tired of the hopelessness. So let's let it begin. I'm I'm reminded of this. I I was born in 1974. So there was, I think, a commercial in my growing up years that was based off of, I think it was a jingle. Maybe it was also a popular song. And now I can't remember. Yes, it was a popular song. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Yeah. That's how I feel about the whole triggers message. Yes, it's their behavior. Yes, it's our behavior. Okay. Let there be peace in our home and let it begin with me. Okay, Prince of Peace, I invite you in. You're absolutely right. This is not about condemnation. It's an invitation to transformation. So if if you're like, no, no, I just hope you hear the the gracious, um, loving invitation to let God do a new work in you and then just watch the ripple effect in your home. So good. Well, Wendy, thank you so much. Um, I'm so excited for women to hear this message. 
Um, would you pray for us as we close? Absolutely. Lord, we come to you um, because our hope is in you. And we do hit times when we feel hopeless. Um, there are times that our homes lack peace, but we know that you are a prince of peace. There are times we feel like it's just that same old rut, and yet we know your word promises that you do new things. And so who better to come to than you and your word? Thank you, God, Father, for giving us such a beautiful example of what it means to parent um, with a long-suffering, uh, persevering love. And thank you, Jesus, for modeling for us what it means to lay down our own lives and be mistreated at times uh, and still do right rather than doing wrong. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your convicting presence, your transforming power, and the word that you breathed into existence. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, apply it to our lives as we spend time in your word, that you would spend time in us doing a new work in us, that we might be a display of, of uh, your love and your goodness, your grace and your kindness, and that your kindness manifested in our lives would lead our own children to repentance because they needed a change too. But we invite you, Lord, to start by changing us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Wendy. Thanks for having me. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right, and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something, but when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, Click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.